So welcome then to this class on the liberating teachings of the Buddha. This is um, a short series that just sort of came to me as an inspiration because we're in our period of sheltering at home. And so it's been really delightful for me to kind of think about uh, the way the Dharma manifests in this different period. And, you know, of course, there are many, many resources available for <clears throat> working with the particular situation that we're in, because the Dharma is about our life as it is. And yet, I found myself, my mind going more and more to the sense of, this is what the Buddha was talking about. You know, he's talking about when life gets strange, when your habits have been disrupted and the veil is kind of pulled away from that uh, trance that we go through daily, daily in our busy lives, that's actually when the teachings are really relevant. This is the time to really think about what's valuable to us and how we're living our life and what aspirations we have in our heart and how we might meet those right here in the substance of our life, but also lifting our mind to what we find most valuable and inspiring um, in, in our lives. So I thought, well, why not take this opportunity to um, look at some of the teachings on Nibbana and on the path to awakening. What is that anyway? Um, what is this thing? You don't at all have to have that as a goal. Um, it might be something that you've just heard about and kind of wonder, or it might be something that you're turning more toward in your life because situations have changed and now you have an opportunity, or it might always have been your deepest heart wish to, to aim for liberation. Um, so we're going to talk about, you know, these texts are not uh, obscure. They're just not talked about as much, uh, maybe as some of the other teachings. So I really wanted to take a look at those. Um, and one of the ways to do that is just to dive in. So I want to offer a teaching by sharing my screen here that we're going to look at together. I'm, we're, I'm starting at the top with like, what is Nibbana? Like why, like what are the characteristics of that? How do we even approach it? So this sutta, I know you're all reading it, but we're gonna read it together in just a moment, is from MN26, which is called The Noble Search in English. And in Pali, it's the Arya Pariyasana Sutta. So this is actually the, the sutta, one of the suttas where the Buddha talks about his own quest for awakening in the first person. And he says, this is what was happening for me in my life. And this is why I went out and practiced. And this is what happened to me when I sat under the Bodhi tree that night. So it's an interesting sutta. It's got a lot in it, actually. And we're just looking at one section. We're looking at section 16. Remember that SC section that I highlighted? It would be section 16 on Sutta Central. For some reason, uh, Ajahn Sujato does it differently. So if you have this book, it's section 13. <laughs> but there you go. This is one of the things you discover when you start reading different versions of the text, so that some things are a little different. So the way we're going to look at this um, in this case is that we're going to remember that these are from an oral tradition. So I like to do sutta study by actually reading out loud. And I wonder if somebody would volunteer to read this passage that's on my screen here and on your screen. And everybody, while they're reading, if you would please just listen attentively. Who would like to volunteer for that? 
I can't quite see all of you. Uh, Jill, okay, great. Am I unmuted? Yes, you are, you can speak. Um, I'll start from where it says bhikkhus. Bhikkhus, before my enlightenment, when I was still an, only an unenlightened bodhisattva, I too, being myself subject to birth, sought what was also subject to birth. Being myself subject to aging, sickness and death, sorrow and defilement, I sought what was also subject to aging, sickness, death, sorrow and defilement. Then I considered thus, why being myself subject to birth, do I seek what is also subject to birth? Why being myself subject to aging, sickness, death, sorrow and defilement, do I seek what is also subject to aging, sickness, death, sorrow, and defilement? Suppose that being myself subject to birth, having understood the danger in what is subject to birth, I seek the unborn supreme security from bondage, Nibbana. Suppose that being myself subject to aging, sickness, death, sorrow, and, and defilement, having understood the danger in what is subject to aging, sickness, death, sorrow, and defilement, I seek the unaging, unailing, deathless, sorrowless, and undefiled supreme security from bondage, Nibbana. Thank you. It's a moving passage, isn't it? There's a lot in here. This is in fact just one little paragraph in a long sutta, but it's a very powerful one. This describes his motivation for seeking awakening. He understood that there are problems or challenges. They're not eventually problems, but in the, in the ordinary human life, um, we look, we're subject to aging, to sickness, to death, to grief. How can we escape these things in our life? They're gonna happen. Um, in fact, we're maybe, quite aware of that right now. Um, and so there's a, he has a question in his mind. Could there be, I'm, I'm framing a little bit beyond what's here, but could there be something beyond this? You know, what, how, how would I be free of this? And so he tries, he wants to find something that is described by these qualities that is, are in a sense, Negative is the wrong word, but Nibbana is often described by what it is not. So it is unborn, it is unaging, unailing, deathless, sorrowless, undefiled. And then there is one positive term, the supreme security from bondage. So these are all intended to be descriptions of this word that we don't, that is untranslated here, Nibbana. That's the Pali word. So I'm going to pause just with that orientation and just ask, you know, what, what does this bring up for you? What stands out for you in this sutta? What uh, this passage, I should say. And I am afraid, let me see if I can try to make my screen bigger. Can't quite see all of you.
Yeah, if you're wanting to comment, you can go ahead and unmute yourself and um, say. So sometimes what stands out for us is sometimes just a single word. Like we read something like this, instead of trying to understand it with your brain, kind of let it flow in. Is there even maybe a word that just strikes you? Wow. For example, subject to, subject to birth, subjected to things that are done to us. Wow. That's how he's describing this world. Supreme security. Uh -huh. Supreme security. That's an interesting one because we don't think of the word security in, I don't think of it in terms of practice so much because everything's always changing and impermanent and so. Yeah, that's an interesting one. So you know, even if, if, for example, if you've been practicing for a while, you may have heard teachings or even practiced with impermanence and there's a sense of things flowing and falling away and not, you know, you don't take a stand anywhere because it's going to change and that's actually a profound teaching. So what, how could it be then that he's talking about something that is secure within that or despite that? Say the effect on me of supreme security is um, the mind really likes that given I've been feeling, I, I struggle with insecurity in general and then the situation we're in has definitely gotten me more insecure. So just to kind of hold that out as some, I can even feel it in, in my tank. Yeah. The relief and the, the safety feel when I read that. Yeah. I think security is, I mean, he's pointing, it's not an accident. He's pointing toward something that humans really want. You know, we really, the human life does not feel very secure. And imagine, of course, this was back in the Iron Age in India. It was also certainly far less uh, secure than some of us experience now. Not Obviously not all people now, but, you know, this human life has always been a little tenuous. <laughs> and, and we know that uh, at some deep level of our being. And spiritual teachings help us connect maybe with something more secure to me sorrow and sorrowless um like that is what sticks out just because everything else actually isn't inherently difficult <laughs> if that makes sense like or, or painful or you know related to suffering like um i mean maybe i'm equating sorrow with suffering um that's the one that speaks to you as yeah. being the most kind of visceral for you right now. Yeah. Sorrow, the sorrow of human life, because we care about things and then they change or go away. We aren't able to get some of the things that we really want. There's a lot of sorrow. There can, can be a lot of sorrow associated with that. The idea of rebirth seems really prominent in this to me. Okay, so um, it's interesting. He doesn't explicitly mention that there will be another life. Um, 
but he is pointing towards something that's beyond birth or death. Is that what stands out for you? Well, I guess when I read subject to birth, I think of that as subject to going around again and having rebirth. I don't know if that's what's really meant, but that's, that's the way I read it. Yeah, that is likely uh, standing behind this. Um, yeah, because if he's already been born, he could only be talking about a future birth in a sense. But I would, yeah. What stood out, and Jill and I happened to pick the exact same word without really even looking at each other, was why. Why, why you know, why do we do this? Why, you know, I think of it as, as that we all live this failed strategy of, you know, grabbing onto what we like and pushing away what we don't like. Why do we keep doing this? Why does every culture do this? Why do all of us as humans keep yeah. clinging and, and craving? when we know that that's the very source of yeah. our of our dukkha, of our suffering. Yeah, so this points also toward our weariness. Why, why, why? Many yeah. of us have a sense of why. <laughs> why this, why, and why am I, yeah. Well, it feels like a kind of insanity to me. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's really insane to keep doing the same thing over and over again that, that brings suffering rather than relief, rather and rather than security, which is this thing we crave. So uh we're craving something, but we're doing what doesn't get it for us. Exactly. Right. We're going the opposite. We keep doing it. That's we, that's not you. <laughs> that's all of us, yeah. So he's really pointing toward, you know, once we settle into this this kind of spare, maybe unusual language, um, he's really pointing toward things that I think Kind of emotionally hit us in the heart of wow you know this is actually speaking to something in me um i do want to look at one more uh little quote about nibbana but this is um you know this is worthy of maybe a further contemplation so let's scroll down a bit on this um see if I can see that. yes so this is from the giri mananda sutta um it's also a description of Nibbana. And I wonder if somebody would uh, like to read this very short little paragraph. If you're raising your hand, I may not be able to see you. There's Jean, okay. Here, having gone to the forest, to the root of a tree, or to an empty hut, a bhikkhu reflects thus, this is peaceful, this is sublime, that is the stilling of all activities, the relinquishment of all acquisitions, the destruction of craving, cessation, nibbana. Thank you. And again, so again, we have a, a series of synonyms uh, that are pointing toward, this is a strategy you'll see that the Buddha often does in his teaching, is he'll kind of throw out a, a matrix or an, um, a wide range of words that are all reflecting different facets of something in order that people will link or connect with some part of it. So here we have some um, more positive descriptions of Nibbana. It's peaceful. It's sublime. 
And then we have some of the more via negativa, the stilling of all activities, the relinquishment of all acquisitions, the destruction of craving, cessation, and nibbana, again, this untranslated word. So Jill and Bruce nicely pointed out that um, although we didn't have it in that sutta, the source of all this difficulty that we have and with the birth and the death is really our craving and our clinging. Uh, that is a teaching from the Four Noble Truths. We may or may not fully you know, have agreed with that or taken that in yet. But this says that Nibbana is the destruction of craving. And so we see a little hint of one of the strategies in Buddhist practice, which is that instead of changing exactly to get a certain thing, we take away the causes of the difficulties. So the craving and the clinging are what are causing us to suffer over birth, aging, illness, and death. And so if we were to just remove that, then we could have birth, aging, illness, and death as usual for being a human, but it wouldn't bring the dukkha with it. It wouldn't bring the suffering. So we see that quite skillfully, the Buddha is not promising us heaven, you know, a world of bliss where bad things never happen, quote unquote bad things. He's promising us a different way of seeing the world so that the things that happen in life, which are still gonna happen because it's life, um, somehow we are peaceful through that. Um, we have not taken up and related to things and reacted to things in a way that uh, causes us the suffering. I'm adding more than is quite visible in this particular little pithy passage, but it's intended again to be something of an inspiration. Um, I have a couple. I have a couple of slides also to show, to kind of wrap us up. Um, I wanna make sure I respect your time also in case anyone is planning to go to the noon sit at ISC. Um, so I think I'll not have discussion on too much on this, but feel free to contemplate it more if you would like. And then I wanna show just one more thing here. Cause I have to give you the homework for Monday, right? So we look today at simple definitions of Nibbana. If there is such a thing as a definition, that's why I felt compelled to say it's actually indescribable. So we looked at MN26 and we looked at AN1060. If you wanna practice looking things up, you could do that. Um, find those on Sutta Central. Um, I also wanna give one, one more quote from this wonderful book, The Island, which um, will be uh, I'll, I'll give some more about later. So this is from Ajahn Pasano and Ajahn Amaro. When the heart is free of all obscurations and is utterly in accord with nature, ultimate reality or Dhamma, it experiences perfect peace, joy, and contentment. This set of qualities is what Nibbana describes. So it points toward, again, some things that we probably want. He knows that humans want peace, joy, and contentment. That's what people want, even though we're not, you know, we're the, the why, 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 we're not doing the things that will get us those. So a little preview of what we're gonna be doing next week, if this wet your appetite at all, is that Monday we'll talk about 
the conditioned world and the unconditioned. So we'll, you know, this this world that is uh, interdependent and empty, really, and then the, the the way of relating to it that is outside of the the flux, the conditionality. Wednesday, um, we'll talk about the the path. So practices and perspectives that lead to nibbana. You can take screenshots if you want. And Friday, we'll talk about stream entry, what's called stream entry, which is the first life-changing glimpse of Nibbana. So it's possible that we will see Nibbana before we become fully awakened. And that then becomes a major uh, orientation for our life. And what does that mean? Like, what is that referring to? What are some of the suttas that look at that? I regret to say that these topics are all incredibly huge, and we're not going to get through them in an hour each day. but um, I want to introduce these topics uh, for us. So Monday, I'm just going to leave it on this screen. Please uh, look at these three suttas. They're all, um, these are all complete suttas. I'm not trying to give sections on these ones. Um, and this gives you some hints for locating them on Sutta Central. These are all just these are short suttas, uh, so that we'll be able to read all of them in class. Um, we'll look at Iti Vudaka 58. We'll look at Samyutta Nikaya 12.15 and Anguttara Nikaya 3.130. They're all very profound teachings. So are there any questions? Go ahead and unmute and speak if you have a question. If we don't read the suttas and familiarize ourselves with the site, is it still okay just to follow? Yep. Okay. Yeah, please just come if, you, if you're not gonna be able to read them anyway. It's just um, a support for your practice to be able to see them in advance. Thanks. And these are meant to be contemplated, by the way. You can, if you want, to read one of these little passages um, and then uh, go and meditate and just see what comes up. You don't have to do anything special. Uh, just do your practice, but see if it infuses into your heart. That's another way that these texts were meant to be used. They're really not, they're really not intellectual, <laughs> I think. I'm more concerned about finding them. Finding them, okay. Um, I mean, each of these has a hint, and we'll see, you know, maybe my, uh, I have confidence in all of you. <laughs> in case it doesn't work out, we'll, uh, we could even share the screen on Monday and navigate to these. We, can, we could do that. Thank you. Um, anything else? I was going to say, I think re-watching your video is going to help me locate the, the readings. It's possible. I, I was deliberately going a little fast because I knew it was going to be uh, recorded. It should be put somewhere onto the Insight Santa Cruz site. Um, or if you're not finding it, you can email me. Cool. And, and Kim, just um, to say again, thank you, because 
I don't know about others. I imagine some others feel the same way, but for me, it's just another opportunity in my day to connect with other people as well as the Dharma and with, with my spiritual friends. So I'm really appreciative of this, this session you're giving. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It's been nice to see everyone. And this is such a great time to connect with other practitioners and with the Dharma. Of course, we can't do it in person, but on the other hand, this seems to work. It's been surprisingly wonderful. I consider you teachers essential workers. <laughs> That's right. Mm, how, how can we contribute to you, Kim? Oh, um, okay. Thank you for that. I'll put in the chat box. Um, it's, thank you for asking that. It's paypal.me slash uncontrived. Do you see that in the chat? Oh, shoot. that was not a, sorry, I sent that only to one person. Mm -hmm. There, try that. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much, Kim. Lots of learning here. Yes. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.